You're listening to Agile Next, the next generation Agile talk show. I'm Daniel Gulo. And I'm Stephen Forte. Each week, we ask industry leaders to share their past experiences with Agile practices and to provide their insights into where Agile is heading to next. The show is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and by visiting our website at www.agilenext.tv. This episode is brought to you by Applebrook Consulting and Fresco Capital. Whatever your Agile needs, Applebrook Consulting can help with training and coaching. Visit our website at www.apple-brook.com. Fresco Capital is a global venture capital firm focusing on entrepreneurs building global businesses. Visit our website at fresco.vc. Episode 6, July 21st, 2016. Today's guest is Zach Zappala. He is the founder and CEO of the venture-backed Particle, formerly Spark.io, a startup that's making it easier to build internet-connected hardware or Internet of Things. He has raised more than a million dollars on successful Kickstarter campaigns and has been featured on CNN, The Wall Street Journal, TechCrunch, Fast Company, Forbes, Fortune, Mashable, and tons of other great publications. Particle was listed as one of Fast Company's top 10 most innovative companies of 2015 in the IoT space. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Zach, I, I met I met you guys at Particle when you were a small startup of about four people. Mm-hmm. And we joked around a lot about Agile and Scrum. And as you and I started talking about that, you started walking me through the processes you were using for Agile development, but for hardware development. And I find it fascinating because you know, we started, the whole Agile movement started on the factory floor, but then it morphed into software development. And you were one of the first companies I saw that brought it back to hardware and this whole lean manufacturing and, you know, lean hardware movement. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, I mean, before starting um, Particle, back in the day, I was a management consultant at McKinsey um, and I did ops consulting and and lean was one of my, you know, one of the things I did. Um, and so it was interesting coming into uh, the tech world and seeing Agile where it's a lot of concepts that are sort of borrowed from, from, from lean manufacturing, but with somewhat of a different intent, right? Lean is about reducing waste um, and uh, making things more efficient. And it's a lot about, a lot of it's about cost reduction. Um, and um, Agile takes those same concepts, but it's more about well, agility, right? It, and, and being nimble and um, and quick moving um, and responding quickly to stimuli, which although the the tactics may be similar to lean, the the um, the way they're implemented and and the results are kind of different. And so we're building a, a hardware startup, actually manufacturing things, uh, circuit boards in in China. And I really believed in agile, um, and I wanted to take those ideas and bring them into hardware, but it required a bit of a rethinking, I suppose, on like how does this apply? Um, and in particular, um, the the biggest thing is the new product development path in uh, in hardware development is incredibly rigid. Um, and it's, uh, let's see, what do you start with? You start with an um, engineering prototype. It's EP, then DVT, uh, design validation test, then EV, oh no, EVT, engineering validation test, then DVT, design validation test, then uh, it's basically waterfall, right? Like the, there's a sequence of steps you're supposed to follow and it's, it's basically waterfall. And everybody says this is the way that you do things in hardware. And I look at it and say that sounds like the way 
people used to do things in software. Um, so shouldn't the same lessons apply? And some of it's kind of hard to adopt because there are a lot of rigid kind of stage gates in a hardware manufacturing process. Like at some point you have to hand a very complete thing over to your contract manufacturer. Um, but what we tried to do is be a lot more agile about the way that we developed it and so our developed our hardware. So um, we would basically have hardware development sprints and um, you know we would move towards locking things down. We would have different dates for like locking down the circuit design and locking down the firmware and then those things would get passed over to the manufacturer. And so it was kind of followed that process of the sort of standard hardware process and as far as the contract manufacturer was concerned, they just thought we were following the standard stage gate process. But on our side, we were we were being a lot more agile and nimble, and we were changing things all the time, um, and we were like reprioritizing every sprint. And, and that's where I met you. You were in China, actually. Your whole team. I think you were about four or five people at the time, and your whole team was in China. You just pivoted your business model from one piece of hardware to a different to what you have today. And you were working at component manufacturing. I'm sorry, you were working near a component gallery where uh, these markets where you can go and buy all these, you know, PVC boards, you know, all the things. And, and you guys were iterating really, really fast was, was part was being in that marketplace. Um, was, was that a benefit to, to being agile or was it something that you just bolted on later? Oh no, absolutely. I mean, that's, I think uh, being in China was a lot of what made agile possible because in typically, if you're designing a circuit board, um, iterations, and you're in the U.S. or you know uh, the Western world, iterations are really expensive. Um, it, it can cost often like a thousand dollars to order a PCB with like a seven-day turn or something like that, a circuit board. And so, and seven days is kind of a long time to wait for it anyway. And so you said you spend a bunch of money, and then you have to wait after you order the board before you can get going again and actually start testing the board. So you work really hard to reduce the number of iterations that you have, which is of course against everything that Agile believes, right, is, is you should have more iterations. And so um, uh, the difference being in China that you can get a 24-hour circuit board spin for like 35 bucks. And so it totally changes the economics of iteration. Um, and uh, because you could do you could do an iteration every day, not every seven days. Yeah, exactly. And you'd spend uh, you know less than a, you'd spend less than a tenth of what you would spend uh, in the U.S. Um, so we did I think like ten iterations of a circuit board in thirty days or something like that. Um, the our first design, which is sort of unheard of. How long would that have taken in the old way? Would it really have been seventy days? Well, yeah, yes, absolutely. It'd be longer than that, and. If you told any seasoned electrical engineer in the U.S. that you did 10 board spins, they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, stop um, uh, stop spinning so many boards. There's even a term for it. It's like dizzy, uh, dizzy boards of like you're spinning so much <laughs> that, you're, that you're dizzy. Um, and it, it, it's a sign of incompetence of like, oh, you couldn't get it right the first time, right? Um, and... Then, of course, we look at it and we're like, no, that's kind of silly. Like, that's just agile. It, it seems like incompetence if you think of iterations being really expensive. And so the only reason you're iterating is because you must be bad at your job. Um, but if you think about it more from an agile perspective, that you want to try small things and then, uh, you know, modify them, try again, see, see how it changes the product, 
you know, that's, it, it can be a very positive thing. Yeah. Making little small experiments. It just makes sense. Right. 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 But that's just not how that, that's not how the electrical engineering world um, currently thinks. So Zach, you have some unique perspective on, on hiring and bringing people into the organization. Can you share with us some of your progressive approach to hiring? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we decide we want to hire, um, for a certain position, um, we essentially assemble a, a small team to, to hire that, to hire for that position. Um, and so, and often, you know, sometimes we're not hiring at all. Sometimes we're hiring a bunch of people all at once. Um, but we basically say, okay, Right now, for instance, we're hiring a head of growth, a new marketing lead. And so we decided we were going to hire that person. We assembled a team of the correct uh, sort of people who would review that candidate. So, um, you know, the, the person uh, the head of growth would be reporting to, obviously, uh, myself, my co-founder, um, a, a handful of the other business people on the team whose jobs relate somehow to marketing. And we pull the group together and we basically say, okay, we're kicking off a hiring process. Let's get a job posted. Uh, uh, we write up the job description and take we we collect applications and we uh, post them wherever we want to post them. We wait three weeks for the jobs to come in, um, and then we have a weekly hiring meeting where we basically just push that uh, hire through the process as fast as we can. Um, and and essentially, you know, the the particular thing is focusing on one job at a time, um, so that we can really make sure that we get a great candidate for that and that we're being very rigorous about the way that we hire that person. Um, and then completing the process uh, and then moving on to the next job, at which point that hiring team kind of um, disassembles and we reassemble a new hiring team for the next job because it's a different requirement. Um, and so, and this will generally align because our whole team is, is running um, on a sort of coordinated sprint schedule. Um, we'll generally line this up with the sprints and say, okay, this sprint, we're trying to just collect a certain number of candidates for this job. And next sprint, we're going to actually, uh, you know, our, our goal is to, um, hire is to actually make an offer and hire someone. And that's always a very big pain point, big pain point, right? Like trying to hire people at a, at a startup or even any organization you've seemed to have solved it with an extremely agile approach. Yeah. I think the big thing is just recognizing that it's very time consuming to hire and that the people who are hiring are also the people who need the hire. So you can imagine like, okay, we don't, we need it. We need a head of growth. Um, our marketing team is thin right now. Um, everyone who's involved in marketing is already kind of annoyed probably that like they need help, right? That's why we're hiring a person. Um, and so, and then you say, okay, great. We're going to hire this person. And on one hand, everyone who's involved in that aspect of the company says, oh, great, I'm going to have help. But geez, the next couple of weeks are going to be even worse because on top of needing to manage all this stuff, now I need to be involved in a bunch of interviews and phone screens and that's really time consuming. And because we sort of align it with our sprint process, we can be really careful then to reduce the number of like tasks and, and stories that people are assigned. So we say like hiring is a story um, and Therefore, we're going to, you know, you're going to do less such and such this sprint because you're going to be devoting some of your time to hiring. And how does that affect your organizational structure and management when you hire in such an agile way and, and align the teams with the sprints? So what's what's happened now, what we've done very recently is we've we've organized our team um, by goal. So there's 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 uh, 28 people on the team. 
Um, we are two teams, actually three teams. Um, one is the developers team, um, whose goal is essentially to build a large active community of developers on our platform. The second team is the enterprise team, and their goal is to uh, generate ARR from enterprise customers. And the third team is the people and strategy team. Um, and the people and strategy team is the closest thing to what, what at another organization would be viewed as an executive team. Um, but we wanted to make it so that it's not a, it's not a sort of reporting relationship. It's a, it's a, there were peers. Um, and so the people and strategy team is responsible for defining the strategy of the company, um, uh, uh, ensuring, you know, hiring, retaining, um, and developing, uh, our people. Um, and coordinating tasks that have to be coordinated across the other teams. And so basically, those teams have coordinated sprint schedules, so we can, on occasion, move people back and forth between teams, like at the end of a sprint. Um, so they're, you know, you're on the developer team this sprint, okay, now you're on the enterprise team next sprint. Um, and our intent is that as we grow, the teams fracture, basically. And they fracture when they get large enough that they're hard to manage and there's a very clear um, uh, sort of place to fracture. So for instance, right now, our developers team is also responsible for doing hardware manufacturing. And that makes sense because of our scale, but as we grow, you can imagine that hardware manufacturing um, fra fractures out and this team is split in two. Um, and so now you have the developer team and the hardware team. Similarly, enterprise, like we have a cellular platform, we just launched and you could imagine that at some point cellular breaks out of enterprise or the sales team breaks out of enterprise um, as they get large enough to really constitute their own teams are those teams all co-located or are they in different geographic areas and how have you dealt with the challenges if they're spread around um we're distributed so uh of our but half of our team is in San Francisco and half is elsewhere. Um, pretty, pretty widely distributed. Manufacturing is, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of manufacturing folks in China, as you might expect. Um, other than that, you know, our engineering team is mostly um, distributed and our business team is a little bit more centrally located. Um, and so in that sense, all of the teams are headquartered in San Francisco. Like we don't have an office that is the enterprise office or anything like that. Um, and I expect that will continue to be the case. All of the teams then need to learn and be pretty good at managing um, a distributed team, which over the last couple of years, we've just kind of figured out it's a lot of having meetings and hangouts and relying really heavily on Slack and um, just using a lot of communications tools that essentially provide the same experience regardless of whether you're sitting next to the person or you're um, on the other side of the world. There's not really a silver bullet or a magic formula. It's just kind of about trying things out and seeing what works. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the big thing is investing in, um, uh, investing in treating the people who are outside of the main office as first class citizens. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's little things also like, so we have all our meetings on Hangouts. Um, when we have a meeting on Hangouts, I, and I'm in a room with six people and there's six people on the screen, I try to turn and face the screen instead of turning and facing the people in the room. Um, and the reason for that is by default, 
um, it's going to feel like the people in the room are really the meeting and the other people are just watching. Um, and if you change your body language and turn towards the screen, uh, it changes the center of the conversation. It pushes it into the television um, or the, you know, the screen. Um, and that makes it much more balanced um, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the, the, how people feel about how they're participating in that meeting. Zach, when I met you guys at Particle, you were doing really awesome agile stuff with hardware, which honestly blew my mind because I've never, I never saw a company practice agile development for hardware companies. We've had deep, deep conversations about them. And I remember even just once even over beers at, uh, at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, and you wrote a really influential blog post that talked about why all Kickstarter projects are late. And it had to do with handoffs from one factory to another. And I, that is my frame of reference that I give to every single person who asks me for advice on factories and, and small batch manufacturing. And I firmly believe that the small batch manufacturing is starting to take hold. And I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about that blog post and how it influences small batch manufacturing and how Agile ties into all of that. So yeah, I wrote this blog post, why, why are all Kickstarter campaigns late or something like that? And, um, you know, it's my thesis in the article was essentially, they are late, they will always be late. This is exactly what you should expect out of a Kickstarter campaign. Um, and a big part of, of the reason for that, and there's a, there's a number of factors, a big, a big issue with developing hardware is, um, you know, you're doing a Kickstarter campaign, you collect a bunch of money, here are the reasons that you're, you're late. One, it's probably your first time doing this. So uh, you don't understand, you don't know all the things you don't know, right? Second, um, you are an entrepreneur. And so you are by your very nature optimistic. Otherwise, why the hell would you be in this business in the first place? Um, and so uh, you probably think that you are going to be better at making a thing than other people. And you look at all these other Kickstarter campaigns and you say, oh, they're all late, but not me. I'm special. I'm different. I'm not going to do that. And so you're overly optimistic. Um, uh, third, um, you uh, Kickstarter doesn't really Kickstarter backers don't really punish you for being late. Um, you end up with a decision where okay, am I gonna? Um, what's the famous expression of you have uh, cost, quality, and time? Pick two, right? It's sort of the uh, famous expression. And in, a, in that sense, well, you already collected your money, so you have to be pretty cost sensitive because it has to cost you less than the money that you collected to make the product. Um, and you really care about quality because you probably aren't trying to do this as a one-off. You're not just trying to get the product out the door. You're trying to build a business, and, and so you want to have a really high-quality product. And at the end of the day, if you're late, you've already collected people's money. So there's very little punishment that happens for being late. And so... All those factors together, optimism and incentives and, uh, um, and the fact that you're probably relatively inexperienced naturally lead to delays in the product. I think what's interesting is that you think about Agile and you generally think Agile means ship sooner, right? That's, um, that's a big sort of aspect of Agile. And yet the question is when you're developing a new Harbor product, what does shipping actually mean? Because there is one date where the product actually ships literally, right? Like it literally goes on a boat um, and, and arrives at the customer's door. 
And so you might look at it and say, well, if the process were agile, then we should be moving that ship date up. But really, you are along the way shipping deliverables, right, that, go, that feed into that product. And one might be packaging and one might be, uh, um, you know, the product, the sort of physical hardware itself. One might be the software that runs on the product. There may be an app that goes along with the product that you also have to ship. Um, and so what you're doing along the way is if you're, if you're pursuing an agile process is you're shipping each of those interim deliverables faster and you're still finding a way to put them in front of customers and get feedback and try and improve it. Um, and the end result is probably rather than an earlier ship date is a higher quality product at that final ship date. And for many customers, that's the only ship date they ever experience. But there are plenty of people along the way, beta testers, people at the company who are sort of interacting with these various bits and pieces, who are in fact um, having deliverables shipped to them at the end of every sprint in the development process. So for us, our Kickstarter campaigns are sort of consistently three months late on delivering them. And yet the quality of the product is better than it would be otherwise because we're doing an agile process um, to get from the concept that we launched on Kickstarter to the actual product that we deliver to customers at the very end. So it's not necessarily that you're late and it's more that you're constantly refining and iterating the product. It's very similar to software development. Right, exactly. So this is really great conversation we're having here, Zach. Uh, we ask all of our guests the same question. It's the premise of our show, which is where is Agile going next? So in your opinion, what do you think the future holds for the Agile movement? For me, a lot of what I expect to see out of Agile is the concepts from Agile being applied in different spaces. So we're applying it in hardware. Um, we're also applying it in our sales organization, right, and other aspects of our business outside of software development. And I, what I expect is that a lot of the ideas of Agile apply in different areas outside of software development, but they require modification, right? It's not like you can just drop it exactly as is in this new org structure. You have to, you have to tweak it and tailor it. And so I would expect to see over the next few years, Agile get adopted and, and, and tailored for, for hardware development, for sales, for marketing, um, for different aspects of businesses, probably starting with technology businesses and then over time you know, feeding, into, um, feeding into other businesses as well. Are there any examples of how you've modified Agile uh, to be using in your sales and marketing that you think could you know, be a bit of a foreshadow for the future? The big thing, I think, is um, finding a balance of, like, how do you, and I would say we haven't actually figured this out yet. The one of the challenges of adopting Agile in sales and marketing is that a lot of sales and marketing work is ongoing maintenance uh, or, or often things that don't um, come anywhere close to fitting into a sprint, right? So if your sales process is three months um, and you have two-week sprints, then that can make it feel challenging to adopt Agile. Um, and naturally, one of the ways that you do that is by breaking down larger tasks. You could call a sale an epic, right? And break it down into stories that you deliver um, uh, you know, during, during every sprint um, with the expectation that over the next six sprints, you're going to close this deal uh, or move towards closing the deal. Um, and, uh, that requires 
working very diligently to sort of refine tasks uh, um, and make and make things smaller. Um, but it, one of the things we haven't figured out yet is how to properly reward ongoing maintenance behaviors in Agile. So if your job is to answer tickets and uh, you know we have Zendesk and we have a queue and we're trying to um, answer our tickets in a timely manner and give people, you know, resolve people's issues quickly and give them a good experience and all the things that you think about in customer service, for instance, how does that fit into Agile? Because that's an ongoing maintenance task, not something where you're kind of moving the ball forward necessarily once every, uh, every sprint. Um, uh, and so I think there is a way to do that, which is something to do with essentially defining like target metrics, like, okay, at this sprint, I'm, you know, my first time resolution, my uh, first email resolution is like, 60%. I want to get it to 65% next sprint. And here's a, here are the three things that I'm going to try next sprint to make that happen. Um, but it is challenging and it is sort of, it feels at odds with the agile structure. So that's something we're still figuring out. Yeah. it's just, I, I feel it, agile just evolved specifically is the factory floor influence software development and now software development, you know, through particle, what you're doing is starting to go back and come full circle and influence the, the factory floor, but also bring the other forms of the, um, the other organizations inside the, the company with it, which is pretty fascinating that we've come full circle. Yeah, for sure. Well, Zach, this has been great. We have one last question. We always ask our guests, what is next for you and what is next for Particle? I know startups are real hard, so it's probably like 14-hour days and lots of hard work. Or, But, you know, is there an IPO planned in the next uh, few weeks or something like that? No, not quite yet. Not quite yet. The big thing for us is, um, you know, we're growing from a company uh, that has supported tens of thousands of developers building Internet of Things products over the last couple of years. And we're now um, focusing more and more on supporting enterprises. So, um when you go from being a engineer in R&D who's prototyping a connected toaster, whatever it might be, and now you're going to scale up to 100,000 connected toasters shipped next year, what, is the, what are the tools that you need What's the, um, and what support can we provide and, and how do we help those customers succeed? So that's really what 2016 looks for us is um, you know, more and more focus on supporting enterprises as they go to scale with Internet of Things products. Zach, thank you very much for taking the time to be on the show. It was a delightful conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Next week on Agile Next, we have Aaron Bjork. Aaron's from Microsoft and works at the Developer Tools Division, where they went through a massive Agile transformation at a very large company. He shares those experiences and also his thoughts on where Agile is heading to next. Hope to see you next week. A big Agile Next thank you to our sponsors, Fresco Capital and Applebrook Consulting. Visit Fresco Capital at frescocapital.com and Applebrook Consulting at apple-brook.com. We hope to see you next week on Agile Next. In the meantime, check out our website at agilenext.tv. 